God bless you all this morning, brothers and sisters. Um, it's good seeing you all. I encourage you to continue loving one another, continue to carry one another, continue to sacrifice a little more of yourself for each other, continue to bleed for one another, and let this love continue to grow and grow and grow and grow, because this is the essence of life in the Christian family. So I encourage you, brothers and sisters, to keep pursuing the character of Jesus Christ in your own life and in your own heart. Make him and that the most important thing in your life. <clears throat> I had a bit of an odd dream this morning when I woke up. So it happened Sunday morning. Get to hear some of my dreams because Saturday night, restless turns of the message, the meditation, what I'm going to share. And I woke up this morning with this, this dream, quite an odd dream, which is normal for, for dreams. Um, I found myself in a particular place and all of a sudden I'm there in a bridal party and I'm dressed up in, in a suit, in a, in a tux and t- uh, tie, but I look down and I don't have the shoes. And I'm looking at my feet thinking, oh no, I'm a bit late. Oh, you know, the bride's coming and um, I haven't got my shoes on and the bridal party's waiting for me. So I'm scavenging through the boxes and, 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 and places in this place, I don't even remember, and I'm looking for these shoes. I thought I, I, thought I had them on and, and I, I thought they were just there, but I couldn't seem to find them. And I went through box after box after box of all these different shoes, but they weren't the right ones. And to me, they looked pretty good. Like, I thought, well, you know, this is nice. And, and I came across one box, and one box had one pair, one pair that was uh, shiny, and the other pair wasn't shiny. They didn't belong together. But I thought, that's pretty cool. Oh, that, that looks, together, that looks nice. And I put them on, and I thought, oh, you know, I might just rock up with these. And then I thought to myself, hang on, um, the bride and groom may not be happy with that. So I took them off and then I tried another pair and they didn't match either. But they, I thought, personally, I thought that was fantastic. They looked great. And as I put them on and ready to go, I'm running late, you know, and everyone's waiting for me so that the bride can come in and everyone's... And so I thought, this looks good. In my mind, I thought, this is brilliant. I can start a new trend, you know. I can start a new look, you know, two different pairs of shoes. Who's going to care? In fact, when I wear them, it's going to look good. But in the back of my mind, again, I thought, no, the bride and groom aren't going to be happy. And, and it's interesting, right, because in my dream, I remember feeling and thinking, no matter what I felt and how good it felt for me to wear those pairs of shoes, the bride and groom are not going to be happy. It didn't matter what my opinion was. It didn't matter what I thought and how good I felt about it. The bride and groom are not going to be happy. And that was my dream. And I don't know whether it's a result of me tossing and turning the message this morning with you, um, what I want to share. But the message this morning I want to share with you is this, that No matter how you feel, no matter what your desires are, what your opinions are, the truth is the truth. And whether you like it or you don't like it, it doesn't change the truth. And unfortunately, we live in a world today, in society today, where there's the truth and people get to dictate what they agree or disagree regarding the truth. And it's a pretty sad state because once the truth is undermined or compromised, we live in a very, very helpless or very fragile uh, situation. And so I want to share with you this morning that the truth is the truth regardless of what you feel and how you feel. We live in a society today where the attack is against the truth. It's against the truth. Um, 
Now, whether you're Christian or not, whether you, you, you don't really care much or not, the reality is that truth impacts every single area of our life. It doesn't, you don't have to be a Christian just to believe in truth. You could just be a simple human being who believes in certain things and that's going to impact your life. It's going to impact your decisions. It's going to impact what you do or you don't do. The truth. It's like going to the doctors and you say to the doctor, uh, uh, I'm going to do a blood test. Can you, you know, um, give me the results regarding my cholesterol level? Or, or, you know, and the doctor comes to you and he's looking at the results and he says to you, oh, it doesn't look good. And you say, oh, what do you mean it doesn't look good? What's the issue? What's the problem? Because, oh, look, you know, it's uh, your eating habits. And you look at the doctor and you say, what, what are you saying? What are you saying? I'm, I'm obese? And you look at the doctor and say, no, I'm not saying you're obese. I'm just saying that, 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 that you, you need to clean up part of your eating habits. What, what's the issue? What is it? What is it? Uh, uh, I'm overweight? Is that what you're saying? Well, based on your results, if you keep eating the way you're eating, that's not going to look good for you. And you go, well, what, you're calling me fat, are you? And there's the doctor trying to relay some important information and all the person is getting offended by the result. Is that what you're saying? I'm fat. Yeah, I'm fat. I'm offended by that. Imagine the doctor takes that result and says to himself, you know what? I know that if I tell this person these results, that person's going to think I'm saying they're fat. And I know they're going to get upset and angry. And the doctor says, well, I'm not going to tell them that. I'm not going to tell them that if they don't clean up their eating habits because they might get offended by it... Um, I'm just going to tell them it's all good and rosy. If the doctor doesn't tell the truth, then the end result is death. And it is with our life. If we compromise the truth, then the end result is death. It's like a parent who tells their kid, uh, you don't have to go to bed at a certain time. Why do I have to go to bed? Well, you don't have to. You don't have to do your homework. Great. I don't think I had to do my homework because it's not true. And if we live like that and we compromise the truth all the time, we're going to find ourselves in serious trouble. As a church, if we compromise God's truth, we are lost because of all truths, the truth of God is the most important. There is no truth greater than the truth of the words that Jesus Christ spoke from his mouth. And if we were to twist it and turn it and change it, we are most miserable and we are most lost. And so we've got to guard the truth of the word of the Lord. It doesn't matter how or what people think and what people say. The truth of God's word is of utmost priority and it's our utmost call to submit to it. If you're preaching to someone and you say to them, the only way into the Father's house is through Jesus Christ. And no man comes to the Father but through Jesus. And someone says, what do you mean? I'm offended by that. What do you mean you're offended by that? Why are you offended by that? Because I believe in Buddha. I believe in Buddha. So why can't I go to heaven? Why can't I go to the house in heaven? People say, well, you can't. Why not? Because the house is Jesus's. It's Jesus's house. It's not Buddha's. Oh, well, I'm offended by that. What are you offended by? That I'm not going to go to heaven with Buddha or believing in Buddha or believing in Krishna. Well, why are you offended by that? Do you believe in heaven? Not really. So how can you be offended by something you don't even believe in? And that's the world we're living in. It's, 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 it's twisted. It's absurd. Nobody really cares what the truth is. All they care about is not being offended. And the reality is, and the truth is this, the truth will offend. It will offend. It will upset you. Son, you've got to do homework in order to succeed. Well, why do I have to do homework? 
The reality is you've got to do homework to, to succeed. Well, I don't believe that. Well, there's got to be a, a, a cost somewhere in unbelief. The result has got to come through. There's got to be a manifestation at the end. Wisdom is justified by her children, so therefore we'll watch and see what happens. So we look at society today and we look at the problems and the issues that we face and the reality is, is this, is that we've forsaken God and we try, we try to uphold the standard of life that is reasonable and good, but we flop miserably. We try to have a political correctness because everything about political correctness is trying to convey a society that is good and strong and we can work together, but without Jesus. We can try and be caring and sensitive and nice to each other, and we can do that as a society, but without Jesus. And any time we do anything without Jesus, what happens is we bind ourselves, we trap ourselves, and sure enough, our court cases and our courtrooms are full of issues where people are being offended, discriminated against, or whatever. Because we bind ourselves, and we go down slower, deeper, 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 because we try to do it without Jesus. So I want to share with you this morning a very important passage where Christ speaks clearly regarding this issue. Where if we are to understand what Jesus is saying regarding this matter, we would actually have our eyes opened and realize, oh my goodness, what's going on? So if you want to turn with me to John chapter 6, verse 66, I want to share with you a very important place in the life of Jesus, when he was talking to the people and a very significant time regarding the issues that we're facing today. John chapter 6, verse 60 to 66. Jesus had, had just preached a sermon. He just basically spoke to the people. John chapter 6, verse 60 to 66. In verse 60 we read, On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you too? Now, I don't know if you're like me, but for me, I take great comfort in this scripture. That if Jesus Christ, having spoken, the gentlest man of all men, uh, the most sensitive, the most softest, the one whose love is pure, there's no, nothing defiled in it. If he was able to speak these words, and yet in the words that he spoke to the disciples, he was able to offend people, then I take great comfort in that. I do. I, I, it's actually for me a, uh, 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 a reinforcement that even though you offend people, it doesn't mean that what you're saying isn't true. Because what Jesus was saying here is very, very true. And he offended people. He upset them. He upset people based on the, the truth that he was preaching. They didn't like it. And then he turns to the disciples. And he says to them, does this, does this offend you? I find that interesting that the people that were offended here, the Bible doesn't tell me it was the, it was the Israelites. It doesn't tell me it was the Sadducees or the Pharisees. It actually tells me it was his disciples that were offended. His very own people, the ones who actually decided to follow him. And they were offended and I'm thinking, well, why are you offended? Didn't you know when you decided to follow Jesus? Didn't you know the full picture? Didn't you understand who Jesus was? What is it now about what Jesus said that offends you? And it's quite interesting because if you listen to what Jesus actually said, it's quite extraordinary. See, because they thought that they understood what it means to follow Jesus, like most Christians. They thought that they actually knew 
um, what the Christian life was about because they thought Jesus, he was all love, he was all mercy, he was all goodness, he was all kindness. Therefore, to follow Jesus, what can go wrong? And they were happy to follow Jesus if it was like these little steps that I need to take, these little, comp- these little sacrifices or these little uh, devotions that I can give Christ. Till one day, Jesus says this, and these are the words that offended the disciples, his, his very own followers. So Jesus said to them in verse 53, this is prior to uh, the questioning of his disciples, in verse 53, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds, listen to the words And the description that Jesus Christ is speaking. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 55. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread that your fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Extraordinary words. I want you to understand something, guys. Please pay attention this morning. Jesus is talking to the disciples and he uses very extreme words, very, very detailed description of, of something that's, that's almost like uh, cannibalism, something that's almost like, like uh, savage. And he's basically telling this to the disciples. Now, I'm thinking to myself that the disciples may have never heard such a thing because it was at this point that they were uh, starting to question, what is this? And, you know, well, well, who are we following? Prior to that, Jesus had already continued to call and move and minister and heal and everything, and they were quite content with that. But there was very, something very unsettling about the way they were following Jesus. So Jesus basically laid it out. His words were strong, his his words were harsh, and his words were quite descriptive. Unlike anything that they had ever heard in the Old Testament. See, they grew up as Jewish people. They knew what it meant to follow God by the law. Or they had some vague understanding of what it is to walk righteously after Yahweh, their God. But they'd never heard such words like this before. Eat my flesh Drink my blood. Not only that, he actually turns them around and he says to them, you know the bread that you ate in the, in, in the wilderness, which they, they thought was sacred. This is manna from heaven. They kept it in remembrance of the miracles and power of God. Well, he says to them, you know that bread? Well, even the people who ate that bread are dead. So it's almost like he's blaspheming the father who gives something to the people and the very thing that he gave to the people was useless. This was offensive to them. You understand that when people heard this, 70 of his disciples said to themselves, what is he talking about? What's he doing? He's, He's really cutting at the core of what I believe. 
Like, I don't agree now with what he's saying. And that's why he says, does this offend you? Does this offend you? Does this upset you? It's unfortunate that we're in a church or churches today or Christians today who never really understand the gospel or the call to follow him. Sometimes when it's preached from the pulpit, there's a certain sword that is cut because the word of God is a sword and it cuts. It's not, it's not a, a magic wand. You know, when, you, when you give the word of God, it's not a magic wand, but it just performs magic. And that's what people want. They want to walk into church because they want the magic wand, you know? They want the Word of God to work like it's a, a, a magic performed, you know? Your issues are solved and this and this and that and this. But that's not the Word of God. The Word is not a magic wand. It's not a feather either. It doesn't go around and it just tickles people. And you kind of feel good after the message because you've been entertained. The Word of God is a two-edged sword. It isn't, it's not a stick either. It doesn't go and it kind of whips you, whips you, whips you, hits you, hits you, hits you. It's not like that either. You can't force people, get on, come on, get on the bandwagon, the Christian, you know, get on, follow. It's not that either. It's a two-edged sword where it basically, it, it cuts. That's all it does. It slices. And it, and, it, and it separates those things that aren't in accordance with God's laws and truths and righteousness and those things that are your opinions and your views and your desires. That's what it does. It, it separates them for you because we can't do that. That's by the grace and goodness of God that I hear his word and it does that for me because I don't want to be led astray and be blind. And here's the problem with truth. Truth is something outside of you. It's, it's what it is. But if you judge truth based on your own desires and your own emotions and what you think is right and what your opinion is, you'll never come to the knowledge of truth because your, your, your nature is always going to be contrary of the things that are going to hurt you or inflict you. Your nature is always prone to comfort and peace and, and security. But sometimes truth calls you out of your comfort, out of your security. You understand? And if you are able to pursue truth, you will be a very, very happy person. You'll be quite content. You'll be satisfied if you are able to pursue truth and truth alone. But the problem is, is by nature, we, we struggle. Because the reality is sometimes truth hurts. And we struggle. We, 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 you know, uh, I need to seek out my, my uh, comfort. You know, I can't help it, but my comfort comes first. As much as I don't want it, but my comfort comes first. And that is a very sad, devastating place to be. Because we all have different levels of comfort. We all have different opinions. We have all different views. But the truth is the truth. The truth is that, that fine line that separates your opinions, your intents, your thoughts and the things of God. And the beautiful thing about the Christian faith is that when you submit yourself to the Word of God, the truth of God, Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life, you find yourself kept in safety. In spite of the sacrifice, in spite of the hardship, in spite of the suffering, you know that if you endure, you'll be safe. So Jesus says to the, to, to the disciples, he says, does this offend you? Look at his words. He says, does this offend you? which is quite interesting to me. He's asking them, does this offend you? And then in verse 62, he says, man, look at it, it's like, a, man, if this offends you, then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? It's an extraordinary comment. If this offends you, if what I'm telling you is offensive, 
What are you going to do when you actually see the greatest and biggest offense climax summarized right here, right now, where I ascend to the Father in heaven? What then will you do? If I'm just merely telling you the reality and the truth, what are you going to do when this truth is manifested? If this offends you, my goodness, what's going to happen when the climax of this truth is finally revealed and presented? And that's what he's saying. He's quite an honest honest man. It's like me saying to you, look, the reality is this. If you want to follow Jesus, what you've got to do is leave everything and entrust your life into his hands. And you say, well, that offends me, man. Because, you know, no, no, no. what makes that to be a Christian? (laughs) Then I say, wow, if you leaving everything to follow Jesus offends you, what then when you live the life, when you're actually in following Christ now, like the climax of his words, if carrying the cross offends you, my goodness, what about the crucifixion? <laughs> if, if you don't want to carry the cross, what then when you get to, the, 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 when you get to Golgotha and you're there in Calvary being nailed, if that offends you, what about this? And that's what he's saying to him. If if you're offended because I'm saying to you, I'm the son of God. If you're offended that I'm saying to you and belittling all the things that you believe, and I am the one that is to come. If you're offended by that, what if when I rise again, what are you going to do? How offensive is that going to be? And then he says something quite significant and quite beautiful and very, very powerful. And he says this. He says... In verse 63, the Spirit gives life. And if we understand this, I think it will benefit our soul greatly. He says this, the Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. What is he saying there? He's saying to them, listen. The words I'm speaking, they're words of life. And the Spirit and these words are what lifts you. It's it's what grants you life. But the flesh, it gives you nothing, the flesh. Listen, the flesh, you profit nothing. So he's saying, basically, in a roundabout way, probably better than I can explain it to you, is that your body is everything that you desire to comfort and keep. Everything about you is about the flesh, the flesh, the flesh, the flesh. You filter everything through the flesh, the flesh, the flesh. The decisions you make is the flesh, the flesh, the flesh. And what he's saying is that profits you nothing. That's why you see society the way it is, because it's all about the flesh, the flesh, the flesh. But that profits you nothing. It doesn't advance you. It doesn't strengthen you. It doesn't give you anything. But the Spirit, the Spirit gives you life. And what I'm saying to you, these words are spirit. So get away from your theology or your your false doctrines. Get away from your religiousness, the disciples. Get away from your securities and your comforts and get into me. Get into me. Eat me. Digest me. Live me. Consume me. Drink me. Eat me. And if you're offended by that, 
And if you feel like there's nothing in life or there's something more in life than that, then of course it's going to be unsettling to you. Everything that Jesus taught, everything that Jesus was, every way that Jesus lived was this offence. Do you know that? The Bible tells us he was a rock of offence. He was a stumbling block. He was the wall to keep you out of heaven. <laughs> That's what he was. He was, he was. he was that big wall to keep you out of heaven. But those who have faith break through that wall. Not your logic, not your reasoning. He's like, uh, I don't know if you, you've seen uh, the Willy Wonka. Uh, what's his name? Bucket. Charlie Bucket. Charlie Bucket, he's tested, you know, like he, it's a quite an extraordinary, extraordinary story. He's actually tested for righteousness. He's tested for righteousness. He's tested to see if he's different than all the other ones that actually won the ticket. And he's gone through and he's being tested. Is he going to lie? Is he going to cheat? Is he going to be like all the other ones, greedy, selfish? I find it an extraordinary story. <laughs> Everything was against uh, Bucket because Willy Wonka didn't believe or expect him to be in. Yet Willy Wonka gave him the ticket. But it was a test. And there's nothing, nothing to the Christian that is offensive. No words that come from the mouth of Jesus Christ can keep him out of heaven. Nothing. That's why we hear a story where there's a lady who comes and beseeches the Lord. And he says to her, I never came for you. I never came for you. He was keeping it out of heaven. Why? Because he was testing to see where's her faith. And what does she say? He says, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. This is the Christian faith. That the very stumbling words, that, 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 that thing that's going to trip me from coming to Jesus, I'll kick it out of the way because I want him. I want to consume him. I want to eat him. And I don't care whether he kicks me and beats me and hits me. I'm going to be eating him. I want him. That's faith. The Christian can't be stumbled or offended by Christ. Those who are offended and stumbled by Christ, listen clearly, are those who were never meant to fall into the, through the filter system. And in fact, that's what Jesus says. This is what Jesus says. He says this. He says, verse 64, Yet there are some of you who do not believe. You are offended because you don't believe. Listen. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe, and who would betray him? He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. I don't need to worry about what I preach and what I teach. Honestly, I don't need to worry. I don't need to think to myself, Oh man, like if I preach this, people are going to leave. Or if I preach that, people. No, I don't. I don't need to. God is greater than me. God is better than me. He's, he's, he's stronger than me. God will get his people. Do you understand? So all I need to concern myself is to give the word of God in its truth. And that's you guys need to receive. Those who want to receive it, those who believe, and those who are offended by it will walk on and move. And I don't get upset about that. I don't think to myself, oh man, I should have changed the message. I should have said it a different way. Because it's not my word. All I've got to be concerned is speaking the truth. If someone says, oh, I don't like what you said there. I don't neglect it or reject it. I go back and I look at what I said and I weigh it. Is it truth? Did I say it in truth? And if it was truth, then I find peace. If it wasn't in truth, because I didn't articulate it properly maybe, I didn't explain it properly, I fix it. 
But I don't worry if it was in truth. But it's not my word. I didn't invent it. I didn't write the book. And Jesus says to them, I already know those of you who are mine. I already know who the Father has given me and the one who's going to betray me. And I already know that you can't even come to me unless the Father draws you anyway. So I'll speak the truth and I'll continue speaking the truth. And those who believe will follow me. And if you want to know something quite interesting, is that Jesus' words weren't only this one-off event. In John chapter 6, verse 53, Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. This was the essence of his gospel. This is what he consistently told people. Why is that important? It's very important because Jesus doesn't want you to come along, drag along and deceive you. Jesus lays it straight from the very beginning. It's not like um, I've heard of certain cults or, or certain churches where they basically bring people in and they kind of warm them up, warm them up, warm them up, and then when they're warmed up, they go bang. And then all of a sudden they think to themselves, what are we doing here? Who brought us here? Jesus wasn't, wasn't like that. Jesus, was from the very beginning, drew the line in the sand and told people, this is what it is to step over, step over. This is what it is to step over, step over. He didn't have the line faded for people so that when they do step over, he's kind of reeled them in and then bang. It wasn't like that with Jesus. Jesus consistently preached the gospel that was love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and this is what it looks like. A man crucified, tied, bound to a tree, bleeding and uttering the words, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That is Christianity. Do you know that? The crucifixion is Christianity. We should change the name Christianity to the crucified. You know, when you say, I'm a Christian, don't say a Christian, say, I'm crucified. Then we understand the terminology of what that means to be a follower of Jesus. You want to hear some of the hard sayings of Jesus, the, things that, the very things that offended the people and the very things that still offend people today? I'll take you through some. Matthew chapter 8, verse 22, Luke chapter 9, verse 60, Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. I don't know if you find anything more offensive than that. When a man actually wants to follow Jesus... When a man comes to him and says, I want to follow you, I, you know, I love you, I think what you say is great, I want to follow you, let me follow you, but first let me look after my dad, let me, let me bury him. And Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. Now a lot of people have wrestled this scripture, Christians have wrestled this, this scripture because they kind of can't, where's the mercy, where's the love of God, where's Jesus, surely he doesn't mean this. But in the essence, what Jesus is saying There is nothing more vital of utmost importance and of utmost truth than your spiritual well-being and let the dead things take care of the dead things. But you who are alive, seek the living king, the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the king of kings. Let the dead bury the dead. I've wrestled this with people. Like I'm thinking, the Bible is clear. It says let the dead bury the dead. Yes, but what Jesus meant and the terminology in the Greek and and, and the the history of, of this phrase means this and blah, 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 blah. And you're missing the point because your flesh is getting in the way. You're finding it very hard to hear it because your flesh is worried. It's concerned that something's going to be, you know, disturb here, you know. But 
The Spirit gives life. It's the word of life. It's the spirit of truth. If you listen to this and you let the dead bury the dead, meaning don't concern yourself anymore with the things that are perishing. Don't concern yourself anymore, even to the extreme of your own family. Let the dead bury the dead. He never compromised it. Luke, Matthew 10, verse 37, and Luke chapter 14, verse 26. You must hate your mother and father, your sister, your brother, your children. And again, we, we, we wrestle that out all the time. You know, what do you mean? Jesus is love, and what do you mean we hate and we hate? And again, the flesh becomes unsettled, and it's a bit of a challenge to, to, to receive this. But again, Jesus is uttering the same word, the same gospel, the same message. You can't love anything, doesn't matter what it is, how cute, how adorable, how important, more than me, at the cost of me. If, if anyone, anyone, doesn't matter who it is, tells you to go this way, and I say go this way, you go my way for the sake of your soul, for the sake of your peace, for the sake of your comfort. It's not because I'm a God who's, who's, who's a dictator. It's not because I'm a God who basically just demands this. No, because I'm a God who understands that the spiritual essence is vital to your existence. Like your connection with me in all and everything bound in trust with me is your peace, is your comfort, is your security. Any hindrance, any, anything, any stain of compromise, you are doesn't matter how small, 1% compromise and you are on the road to death. That's, the, that's, that's Christ, that's the truth. So it's not like he's selfish God, he's a God who demands your obedience for your protection, for your safety. Matthew chapter 19 verse 21, Mark chapter 17 verse 22, Luke chapter 18 verse 22, sell what you have and follow me. If anyone wants to follow me, give up everything and follow me. Now that's very offensive. And every Christian I think wrestles this out and says, what does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? It means that. It means sell everything you have. But what does it look like? That's different. But what does it mean? It means that. What does it look like? You need to wrestle that out before the Lord in your own heart, in your own mind. Because you can sell your house and still hold on to money. You can sell everything and still hold on to pride. Sell everything. Everything. And what does it look like? You wrestle that before the Lord. But does he ask you to sell everything? Yes, he does. He tells you to sell everything. Sell everything. Nothing is attached to you anymore that is of utmost priority than following Jesus. That's what he's saying. But the flesh gets in the way and it twists the word because the flesh, again, profits you nothing. Your flesh doesn't profit you anything. And what about this one? What about this one? And I've heard this time and time again how much this offends people. You must be perfect. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. You must be perfect. And how many people get offended by that? Even pastors or preachers, once they preach from the pulpit, you must be perfect, they go on and stain it by some added comment that's not even scriptural. Like, we're always going to sin. That's rubbish. That's not in the Bible. You're always going to sin. Show me in the passage anywhere. John, Peter, Paul, you're always going to sin. 
We're not talking about your human experience. We're talking about the truth of God that gives life. Yeah, maybe, surely, you're always sinning. But I don't want the truth of man. I want the truth of God. The Bible says that every man be a liar and God is true. You must be perfect like your heavenly Father in heaven is perfect. There's no other words that compromises that after that. There's nothing else that diminishes that. Because the essence of the gospel is perfection. It's the climax of salvation, perfection. You must be perfect. That is the standard of righteousness. You must be perfect. In fact, anything that hinders you from perfection, what do you have to do? Sell it. Hate it. Leave it alone. Let someone else take care of it. That's perfection. So anything that hinders me from pursuing the righteousness of Christ and Him alone, I hate, I despise. That's what He meant when He was telling Him, you've got to eat me, drink me, feed on me, live off me, and don't think to yourself your religiousness and your self-righteousness is going to cut it. Don't think to yourself, just because God looked after you in the wilderness, just because God is merciful and God is kind, and still yet many of you perished. Don't think to yourself that it's all good, it's all okay. And many people are offended. Many people are offended. I find that the best and greatest gift I can give you this morning is speak to you the truth of God. I'm telling you. I find that I can't say any other thing than this. And whether you, you, you hate me or you love me, I want you to know that out of love, I'm speaking to you what I believe to be the truth of God's word. And even if you hate me, I'll still tell you the truth because I love you. This is the truth of God's word. The flesh wants to defend itself. The flesh wants to uh, justify itself. The flesh wants to delight in things. The flesh wants to comfort itself. The flesh wants to be reconciled to itself. We want to make things right according to the flesh. But we ought to make things right according to the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, listen. Imagine you're in heaven... And all the angels are having a discussion. And they were brainstorming salvation, right? And they were working out how is it that we can take the hardness of man's heart and bring it to salvation. And all the angels, they're brainstorming this. And one angel says, why don't we send 10,000 of us? We'll roam through the world and we'll just reveal to everybody salvation. Another angel says, why don't we basically just light up the whole sky, you know, light up the whole sky with fire and then just blaze it with with salvation message. And the father looks at all these brainstorming sessions and he says, you know what, you all compromise. You all compromise salvation. There is nothing less worthy, nothing more than this. I'll send my only begotten son because in this there is no compromise. So that when the world see him, they know I desire nothing less than my son and from them nothing less. It's easy to send a church out. It's easy to send you know, a campaign out. It's easy to send a, a program out. But it's harder to send yourself out. Trust, sacrifice, 
And that's what Jesus taught us. Can you imagine the angels turning around to the Father and says, oh, that, that offends me, man. That's offensive. Or Jesus himself says, what do you mean? I'm offended by that. You're going to send me out? The gospel is very simple, very clear, and it is very offensive. And unfortunately, the world is penetrating the church and Christian doctrine today because it's all an attack on truth. And sooner or later, you're going to see before your very eyes, it's all an attack against Christ. Once we start preaching to the world, and no matter how you look at it, no matter how you want to compromise it, once we start telling the world, no one can enter into the kingdom of heaven but through the Lord Jesus Christ, that is going to be the most offensive comment that you're going to basically be preaching or teaching the world. And there stands the Christians ready for the persecution because they believe without compromise, Jesus is the only way into the kingdom. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Verse 66, from this time, many, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Brothers and sisters, in many ways we offend one another. In many ways we trip over each other's toes. In many ways we hurt one another. But none of these things should be the stumbling block to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because there will be many things in your way that's going to stumble you, to push you, to test you, to see, do you have faith? Do you have faith? Let the things of earth take care of itself, but you follow me. You follow me. As you have your heads bowed and whatever the Lord's speaking to you about, bring it before the Lord. Any man who d dares to trust the Lord Jesus Christ is guaranteed a peace beyond understanding is guaranteed security and safety. Anyone who dares to pass through these obstacles and put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ is guaranteed promised life. The battle is against unbelief, the hardness of heart, and compromising the truths of God. Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise. Lord God, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for his mercy, his love, his kindness upon us, his purity of heart, his gentleness, his love towards us, and that even now we come together because of your goodness. You've brought us in spite of who we are because of your love towards us. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your kindness upon us. I pray for every person bowed before you, Lord Jesus. I pray, Father, that we continue to draw, carry,
pull each other into the kingdom. We thank you, Father, for your mercy and your love. In Jesus' name we pray.